0: Welcome to the Wrap Yourself in Joy podcast. I'm Karen Dwyer, speaker, teacher, and author of four books on joy. If you're searching for more joy in your life, join me for about 15 minutes every week. It could change your life. My newest series is called Nehemiah and Rebuilding Hope. It's based on my book, Nehemiah, Rebuilding Hope and Joy in Your Life. It has an imprimatur and a built-in study guide. Today, I'm inviting you to join a Cup of Joy women's group. You can invite a few friends to join you in listening to the podcast, then meet over coffee each week to go through the study questions. For more information, go to WrapYourselfInJoy.com and look for Cup of Joy Women. The podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Hello, welcome to Wrap Yourself in Joy. I'm Karen Dwyer, and you are listening to podcast number nine, of the Nehemiah Rebuilding Hope series. It's based on my book, Nehemiah Rebuilding Hope and Joy in Your Life. Today, the podcast on chapter 9 of Nehemiah is entitled, Nehemiah Says, God Will Never Forsake You. In our last podcast, we joined the Israelites on Rosh Hashanah and the Feast of Trumpets. Many had stopped celebrating the feast days and gave up their faith because of the brokenness of their homeland their families, and their lives. But in this chapter, they will rededicate themselves to God. Last time we read chapter 8 on the Feast of Trumpets. Ezra read the word of God from morning to midday. The people were starved for the word of God, and as they listened, they wept loudly mourning for their sins. But Nehemiah and Ezra told them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, Go home and celebrate, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So they went home and celebrated. After celebrating the Feast of Trumpets, the people celebrated the Feast of Booths. Each family would spend seven days in a hut or booth, remembering God's goodness, reading the Word of God, praying, praising, and thanking God. In this way, each family commemorated how God had called them out of slavery in Egypt, Delivered them by parting the Red Sea and cared for them in the desert for 40 years where they lived in simple booths or huts. Now, two days after the week long celebration of the Feast of Booths, the people in Nehemiah 9 gather together again for a day of national celebration. So let's start with reading Nehemiah 1 9 1 through 3. Now, on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth or dirt on their heads. Then those of the Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and iniquities of their ancestors. They stood up in their place and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth part of the day. And for another fourth part, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. Well, the people had stood up for six hours, three hours reading the word of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. And for three hours, they confessed their sins and worshiped God. God's word reminded them of how good God had been to them and their forefathers, and how far they had fallen away from God and His commandments. You know, reading the scriptures is always powerful when you let it pierce your heart. And in this case, the hearts of the Israelites were pierced and they were remorseful. God's word did what Hebrews 4.12 explains. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow, It is able to judge or reveal the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Well, chapter 9 continues to be a beautiful record of how the people praised and worshiped the Lord for all of his providential care, for his many signs, and for the wonders on their behalf as a nation. Let's read a bit more from Nehemiah 9, starting with verse 5, when the Levites told the people to, "'Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise.'" And then in verse 6, Ezra said, "'You are the Lord, you alone, you have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them.'" To all of them you give life, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. And it goes on to say, And you have fulfilled your promise, for you are righteous. In verse 9 and 10, it says, You saw the distress of our ancestors in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land, for you know that they acted insolently against our ancestors. And I'm going to read you a few more excerpts from 12 to 26 of chapter 9. Verse 12, Moreover, you led them by day with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way in which they should go. Verse 13, you came down upon Mount Sinai, and you spoke with them from heaven, and gave them right ordinances and true laws and good statutes and commandments. Verse 15, for their hunger you gave them bread from heaven, and for their thirst you brought water for them out of the rock. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness, so they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. And you gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them every corner, so they took possession of the land. Verse 26, Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their backs and killed your prophets, who had warned them in order to turn back to you, and they committed great blasphemies. Therefore, you gave them into the hands of the enemies, and you made them suffer. Well, this is what the Israelites heard when they gathered together. And verse 3 says, They stood in fasting, an act of penance and a show of remorse, and in skin-tearing sackcloth, with earth or dirt on their heads, all painful acts of deep sorrow for their sins before God. They recalled all that God gave for them, and they asked God for forgiveness for all their past and present generations of sins. They cried out for having stiffened their necks and for not obeying the commandments. But they also praised God for sustaining them with water and manna for 40 years, and during which time their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. After experiencing such great faithfulness of God, They realized their fall, which we could call the rebellion revival cycle. Rebellion, they rebelled against God and turned to evil, making gods of many things. Warnings, after numerous warnings from God through the prophets and teachers, they fall into the hands of their enemies. Repentance, they cry out to God from oppression and suffering, remembering his faithfulness and confessing their sinfulness and spiritual depravity and intervention. God intervenes and rescues them from their oppressors. They return to following God in everything and once again enjoy His blessings. Unfortunately, before long, the cycle repeats, and the Israelites knew. Now again, they've become slaves to this day. You know, verse 17 seems to be a turning point in the chapter. The people must have felt their sin, their cycle of falling from God, their failure to remember, and all that God did to care for them. But verse 17 changes the entire scene. It says, they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. They stiffened their necks and determined to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God Ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. And God did not forsake them. God never forsakes us. He will never forsake our families. He will never forsake our nation. If we fall away from Him into our own slavery for sin, God will take us back if we come to Him in true repentance, with a desire to change and worship and praise Him for His goodness, it's never too late, as long as we breathe, to turn back to God, to ask for His forgiveness, and to begin again to worship and praise Him and thank Him. Well, it's time to close this chapter with personal reflection. What great Principles from chapter 9 that we can think about. I really encourage you to read all of chapter 9 prayerfully and on your own. You will clearly see even more of the Israelites' repentance, their grief in returning to worship God, and all of the things they remember. And when they remember, they turn back to God. So it's a great example to all of us and to our nation who has fallen away from God. So we must continue to ask God where the broken gates are in our lives, families, and nations, spiritual or otherwise. Where have we fallen away? And then we must consider what we can do. Here's three ideas for you. Number one, confess your sins. When you want to be renewed in your spiritual life, Nehemiah shows us where to begin in chapter 9. Remember what God has done. Confess your sin. And the areas where you have fallen away, and then praise our glorious God, and worship Him again, as nehemiah nine seventeen says, "But you God, are ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Do you want to be renewed? Confess your sins to God, go to confession, remember what God has done for you. go to adoration." And increase praise to his glorious name. Number two, determined to make a change. True repentance and sorrow for your sins means you want to change direction. The last verse of Nehemiah 9 38 says, The people made a firm agreement in writing and a sealed document as a way to promise they would change directions. So what change in directions are you willing to make at this time? Change in directions means you are going to walk more toward God and make a decision about what you will do. Three, read Scripture. All the chapters in the book of Nehemiah remind us how essential it is to hear, read, and take the Word of God to heart. How will you find more time to read and pray Scripture? If you do, it will revive your spiritual life and the lives of those around you. It will change your direction in so many ways. And you can start today with just five minutes of reading scripture, a gospel, an epistle, a psalm, and then close the Bible and form a prayer from your heart to God that responds to what you read. Remember Nehemiah 17, but you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I'm so happy you joined our Nehemiah Rebuilding Hope series. Please consider inviting a few friends over for coffee or tea every week for just one hour to discuss the one-page study guide that accompanies this podcast. It's called A Cup of Joy Women's Group, and it's a great way to gently evangelize and encourage others. I will provide you with all the resources you need. For more information, go to my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com, and click under the menu tab, Cup of Joy Women, or you can email me at karen at wrapyourselfinjoy.com. Until next week, please know that I am praying for you, that you grow in hope and joy and the love of God as we study Nehemiah together. Thanks for joining me today. Please visit me on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com, where you can learn more about my books, download free bookmarks, and connect with me. Please follow me on your favorite podcast app and invite a friend to join you, too. You can download the show notes from today at com. Until next week, this is your friend Karen Dwyer reminding you to wrap yourself in joy.